engaged leaders equal engaged employees. And so if as a leader, you will engage with your people, figure out where they're trying to get to in their personal life and figure out how that aligns with the business and you can move them forward as you're moving the business forward, that's how you get engagement. Welcome to Monday Mornings with Michelle, the new business podcast. Whether you're kicking off your day or kickstarting your business, Michelle is going to kick your ass into next week with the essential fours. Strategy, systems, support, and state of mind. Now, welcome to center stage, Michelle Nedelec. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Frank. Frank, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks. I'm excited to talk with you. Awesome. So give us a 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do. Yeah. So I've uh, been a serial entrepreneur for most of my life, uh, was in manufacturing for 20 years, uh, retail business for a time, and now I'm in professional services. Uh, I spend the bulk of my time doing executive coaching and training uh, and helping people create intentional business cultures and helping people learn how to become the leader people love to follow. I love that. So how did you get into leadership of all things? Yeah, so I started off with a journey, kind of got thrown into leadership unexpectedly. The manufacturing company I mentioned that I worked for, uh, the owner passed away unexpectedly. Uh, one day we were getting ready to go to an open house for a new facility that we had bought. And I'm literally about to walk out the door to go meet the employees and show them this place. And I get a phone call that Mr. Beam has uh, passed away from a heart attack while he was getting ready for the same event uh, and was gone by the time the paramedics got there. So uh, ended up putting a team together uh, to buy the company from his estate and reluctantly went into leadership because I'd never had a great example of good leadership in my life or my career, really. And so I kind of did a half-hearted effort of leadership for a while and sadly, that actually started improving employee engagement and seeing better results in the company just by the little bit of half-hearted work I was doing. And then I started reading about some businesses that were doing some really cool stuff. And I called them and said, hey, how are you doing that? And they were like, oh, well, if you just do these things from a leadership standpoint, you know, it makes all this difference. And then I was like, well, but that's not what I was taught. You know, that's not what they tell you to do from a good leadership standpoint. And they're like, yeah, none of that stuff works. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. And so I just started learning and reading and trying to study good leaders and figure out what's going on and changed everything about the way I lead. And then also just started seeing the results. And so we started winning awards in our manufacturing company for best places to work and uh, different things like that. And then people started coming to me saying, hey, can you help us create a culture like what you've created there? And so that's where I realized my real passion was how do you create this place people love to come to work uh, and not necessarily product A or product B? And so uh, I've spent most of the last 10 years of my life doing executive coaching uh, and being very specific and helping leaders. Very cool. I love that. And I found myself that a lot of times people would get promoted because they were really good at what they did, but they didn't have any capacity whatsoever to be able to pass that on or educate or absolutely delegate or anything <laughs> yeah no well and early in my career i literally had someone tell me don't get to know your employees because it makes them a lot harder to fire them and that's the leadership advice that i was given early in my career 
And that always seemed like, well, that doesn't seem very good. And, but that was, you know, back in the eighties, that was kind of a prevailing thought process uh, in a lot of leadership camps that, you know, it's separate work and life is separate. Knowing your people is not necessary. You know, you just tell them what to do and they just need to do it. And we don't have any time for, you know, getting to know people. And it's like, yeah, that doesn't really work that well. <laughs> and we wonder why in the 80s, they, corporate had the reputation of being stuffed shirts. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Day one of, of working for a large accounting firm that I went to work for, uh, one of the partners came in and he said, he told us this elaborate story about flying to Europe with his family and then a client needed him and he had to fly back. And he told us, he said, if you don't have to fly back from at least one vacation a year to serve your clients, you're not important enough to this institution. And he thought he was giving us this rally speech. And I was like, can I leave on day one? Is that too early to check out? Because that's, you're not motivating me here. <laughs> right? Oh yeah. my God. So are people still running their businesses this way? Or is there kind of the new way of messing up leadership. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, a lot of them are still running their businesses that way. I, my kids are now old enough that they're out of college and some of their friends were going into accounting and going to work for accounting firms. And I would tell them of what my experience was and they were always really polite and Mr. Smith, they don't do it like that anymore. And I'm like, okay, yeah, hope I'm glad. You hope it's a lot better for you than it was for me. And then they all got out and went to work for these accounting firms and were like, oh my gosh, it's just like Mr. Smith said it was. And uh, so I'm like, okay, well, they haven't changed much, but and it's, it's how their business model is. And, you know, they get those egos and they get that sense of uh, that it's part of their identity that, you know, hey, we work 70 hour weeks and, you know, we don't care about the people. And it sadly becomes part of their, uh, and they pay so well that a lot of people will put up with it uh, because, you know, when I left, I took a 25% pay cut and uh, that's just how they keep you around as they pay you so much that you can hardly afford to leave. Wow. Pros and cons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can see that. So what yeah. are some of the principles that you're advocating and teaching people how to implement and why? Yeah. So the number one thing that I teach people is, you know, when you look at employee engagement numbers and Gallup has been tracking that number for 40 years now, uh, it really doesn't go up very high. I think 40% is about the highest that the engagement numbers have ever been. Uh, I think I, I saw something two weeks ago that said that they were hovering around 25 to 27% right now of employee engagement. Uh, Tom Peters, one of my favorite authors said, well, it sounds like we need to fire 75% of the leaders out there then if only 25% of the people are engaged, which I kind of don't disagree with him. Uh, but it comes back to what I was talking about earlier, engaged leaders equal engaged employees. And so if as a leader, you will engage with your people, figure out where they're trying to get to in their personal life and figure out how that aligns with the business and you can move them forward as you're moving the business forward, that's how you get engagement. And if they're trying to go somewhere that we, we can't help them get where they're trying to go, we're gonna be at odds all the time. And so that's part of it. Even in the interview process, you've got to figure out where is this person wanting to go and can I help them get there? And if we can't, then they're not a good hire. But, you know, we're not talking about a 20 year that you've got to, you know, 
be together for 20 years and I'll get you where you want to go. If I can get three or four years and help you just get in this part of your journey to where you're trying to get, I'll at least have you engaged for that three to four years. And then you probably need to take your other steps. Uh, so engaged leaders equal engaged uh, employees is the first thing I teach people. And then the other thing is to be an engaged leader, how do you do that? And the best tool that I know is weekly one-on-one -on -one meetings uh, with your people. It can be 30 minutes, it can be 60 minutes, enough time to get to know the person as a person and to help them and then to follow up and help make sure that you're supporting them and the projects that they're working on. And uh, the number one response I get to people when I say you need to have weekly meetings with your team is I have too many meetings. I don't have time for that, uh, to which I usually respond somehow kind of snarky that says, yeah, with all the turnover you're experiencing, you probably don't have time to have those meetings because <laughs> you're too busy in interviews. And, uh, you know, if you do those one on one meetings, uh, Marcus Buckingham in his newest book that came out said that weekly meetings uh, weekly check-ins with your employees, you can reduce voluntary turnover by 67%. And so, you know, as a leader, you know, you're not a leader if you don't have a follower. And so if you can keep people from leaving your organization, then you become a better leader. And those weekly check-ins are really the number one tool that I recommend among other tools uh, that people plug into and get to know their people and get to know how they can help support uh, them with their personal goals and their business goals. Nice. Well, and I also noticed when I was an employee <laughs> way back when, um, one the biggest bane to my existence was was supervisors that had no clue what I was doing, because oh. I used to take on so much because I'd get bored so quickly. <laughs> okay. like, yeah. So I had my fingers in a lot of pies. And when they went, oh, this one's falling through the cracks. It's like, well, yeah, that one's falling through the cracks because I asked for some support on, you know, for the last three months and I haven't got any. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well, you're out of here. Okay. And then the next day it's like, hey, what do you know about this, that, and the other thing? Everything. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you can hire me back as a contractor now and I will explain that. I said, and I said, I suppose the first thing you did was blow up my email. And they, well, well yes, of course. And, well, that was stupid. <laughs> That's where yeah. my answers are. So it's things seem we we have a little bit of history repeating is i guess my point and it happens in one of two ways one is they they're not giving enough direction to to help somebody grow and expand and on the yeah. other hand when they do have somebody that's growing and expanding they don't know it all they're looking at is what's going wrong yeah yeah and you know oddly you'd be surprised how many leaders that i run into that don't actually know where they're trying to go and so how the heck do you lead somebody to somewhere and know if their goals align with where we're going when they can't be very succinct and clear on where they're trying to go uh, themselves? And it's really shocking how many companies you can talk to that don't have very clear set goals that, you know, for our team, you can walk out here uh, with our company. People can tell you for the third quarter, here's what our submit goals are, here's what our gross margin goals are. And, you know, we have a big chart on the wall and, you know, everybody's clear on what we're trying to accomplish and what we need to do. And most companies aren't that clear, which is one of the top reasons people leave is lack of clear expectations. Uh, and so that's where the one-on-one -on -one meetings come back in play because I can solve the top three reasons people leave uh, in a one-on-one -on -one meeting. And those top three reasons are lack of clear expectations, lack of being listened to, and lack of being recognized for the work they do. 
And so as a leader, if I engage and I give you clear expectations and figure out what you need to get that done and give it to you, uh, 90% of your problems get solved. Well, absolutely. So do you find that there's a particular size of company or a type of company that tends to have more problems in this area? Oh, uh, not really. I think people are people, sadly. Uh, I've got clients that have 14,000 employees and clients that have six employees, and it's the same problem in both organizations. Uh, most of the time, it centers back around the fact that I don't have time for my employees or I only focus on the trouble employees. I, I had a client one day, they had 22 direct reports, which is stupid to have that many direct reports. Uh, and then he's telling me, I just said, so the ones that produce really well, how often do you talk with them? And he said, honestly, I probably talk with them twice, twice a quarter. And uh, guess who quit? Top performers, performers. <laughs> because they want to talk to their boss more than twice a quarter. And uh, now he's just got, you know, more problems to deal with. So A, his his uh, company set up the company wrong to give him 22 direct reports. But when you do that, you're just constantly fighting fires and stuff. So it's really the same issues that I run into, whether it's a big company or a small company or manufacturing company or professional services or financial institution. It's people stuff. And it's the same people stuff going on everywhere. And the same tools work, whether I was in manufacturing or retail or professional services in order to fix it. People just don't like what it takes to fix it most of the time. And now my rule of thumb was always, you know, if you have eight direct reports, that's kind of your sweet spot, you know, a little above, yep. a little below, but that's kind of your sweet spot. And I think a lot of businesses see it as an expense to have a lot of middlemen. Mm -hmm. um, and they don't know how to structure it properly such that that becomes the sweet spot. And in fact, it increases your productivity. So how do you kind of explain that to people? How do you get them to, to have that buy-in? Man, that's, that's the million dollar question right there. Because honestly, what I find is if I've got to try to talk them into it, it's an uphill battle. So right. most of them, they're like, I think I should be doing something differently, but I don't know what it is. And so if I say, oh, well, try this and they try it, it usually works. It, I mean, it's, it's as simple as if, and I agree with your number, I, I've never seen anybody be really good with more than 10 direct reports. Uh, eight, somewhere in nine starts to get a lot. And you think about if I'm meeting with each of those people for even a half hour a week, that's four to five hours of one-on-one -on -one meetings that I'm having during this time period. As a leader, you're saying, okay, I'm going to work 50 hours this week. I can't afford five hours. I can't afford 10% of that to actually be in, in dialogue one-on-one -on -one with my team. Something's out of balance here. And people will always tell me, well, I have an open door policy. Newsflash, they don't want to come in and admit they don't know what you know, how to do something. But if I have a one o'clock meeting on Tuesday every week with you, they tend to open up more and they'll be like, hey, I'm not really sure what I need to do to step forward here. And then now I can be their coach and help them. Uh, and so it's just really kind of boils down to people just don't want to do what it takes. And they still have those voices, I think, running in their head that say, you know, too many meetings, meetings are a bad thing. And, you know, 
poorly structured meetings are a bad thing. I'll agree with them on that. But if I structure them well, they have a point to them and you get to feel listened to, recognized for the work you do. And we talk about how I can help you. That's not a bad meeting. And I've not ever had an employee that's just like, I don't, you know, I'm leaving. You talk to me too much. That doesn't happen. You know, that's nobody heard ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My boss is too engaged in supporting me to get my job done. I'm out of here. You know, that just does not happen in the real world. And, but people just don't, I run into so much resistance from people. The clients I have that have implemented one-on-one meetings will say that it transformed their leadership. They actually have less problems to deal with that pop up because you handled a lot of that in the structured meeting form uh, that you had at a set time. Uh, So you actually get that time back. It's just a little bit counterintuitive uh, along the way that it feels like you're adding to your workload. You're actually gonna subtract from your workload because you're gonna clarify so much in that 30 to 60 minutes that you spend with that person that they don't need to interrupt you 12 times this week. And the reason they interrupted you 12 times is because they don't know when they're going to see you again. But if they know at one o'clock on Monday, I've got a meeting with Frank and I can ask that question then, and it's not urgent, they'll wait until Monday and they'll come up. And the first thing we do in my meeting after we have a little chit chat about how's their family or what's new there is what's on your list that you've been waiting to ask me. Uh, and they run through that and they've kept it. And once you get into that rhythm, they keep their list. And we always start with their list to make sure they feel listened to. Nice, I love that. So in these meetings, are you just covering kind of what their project is or are you looking at training and where that's going? Are you looking at kind of what's your 12 month plan? What are your career goals? What are you, what are you doing in these meetings? Yeah, a little bit of all of that, honestly. It's, you know, because we'll talk about kind of where they want to go from a career standpoint. So we have that big context. Uh, But in the weekly meeting, it's primarily what's on your list that you've been needing to ask me. And then usually in there, about half of the projects or things that they're working on will come up. You know, if they don't come up, I'll ask them specifically of, hey, you didn't mention anything about project XYZ. Uh, How's that going? And so they'll give a report on that. And so we make sure we're covering everything and we're staying on top of it. So there's no surprises. Because uh, what you do learn is that sometimes people uh, will tend to leave out the things that aren't going well. They'll tell you all about the stuff that's going really well. Uh, so if I don't have on my list the other four projects that maybe they didn't mention, uh, I'll ask about those. Yeah, I'm struggling a little bit on that one. Okay, how can I help? Uh, And so we'll have that conversation and figure out what roadblocks maybe I can get out of the way for them uh, or what maybe different tactic they need in order to make sense of that. Uh, And then we'll get into the feedback section, but I usually come at that a little bit different of, so in the last week, what could you have done better? And it gets them to self-assess kind of, instead of me saying, hey, you should have done this differently. I ask them what they think they could have done better And then they'll give me usually about 80% of the time, they'll hit on the things that I was going to tell them anyway. And it seems way better if you come up with it yourself than if I tell you, Uh, because now again, I can be your coach and say, hey, maybe if you did it this way, or how could I help you do that differently next time? Now I'm your friend that's helping you instead of that nag 
that never seems happy with the work that I do. And uh, if they miss something, if there's still something that I need to bring up, then you bring it up. But they're already in this kind of continual improvement mindset because they've been self-assessing themselves. And so they're way more open to feedback that I may give them on, hey, let's try to do this differently next time. And so I find it works really well to let them self-assess first uh, and then uh, give any additional feedback that I need to. And then the last thing we get to in that meeting is what's on my list. What do I need you know, for you to do? What do I need? Hey, I need you to think about maybe trying to figure out how to be better at this, you know, or learn a new thing for your leadership team. And it depends whether the person has direct reports or doesn't have direct reports, uh, kind of the conversation that I may, you know, be pushing them to always learn a new skill. What, what are you reading now that, you know, is helping you become better at your job, whether it's industry specific or leadership or whatever would actually help you in your job or maybe towards your personal goals. So I'll usually part of my list is pushing them to say, hey, you told me you wanted to save money up for that family vacation. How are you doing? You know, what can I do to help? You know, if they're on a commission or anything like that, there's maybe some ways that you can help them be more productive at work so that they can set aside more money for the Disney trip or whatever it is that they're trying to do. And so that's part of what's on my list is knowing that, hey, they were trying to accomplish this let me circle back around now that we've gone through the projects A, B, and C. How are you doing on your personal goals? What are you trying to achieve? Has that changed? Because sometimes if they don't tell you that it's changed and you assume they're still trying to get to you know, do this and they've changed that, I may be helping them get somewhere that they don't want. So just following up, hey, is that still your goal? Are you guys still trying to do this as a family or whatever the case? And so again, it's that personal interaction and getting to know what they want to do and accomplish and how can I help. It becomes personal. That's awesome. Yeah. So give us an example of one of your Cinderella stories, one of your clients. Oh, that's a great, um, trying to think through multiple people are popping in my heads right now. A, a lady that I've been doing some coaching with for about four years now, uh, which is a pretty lengthy time to have a, a coaching relationship, but it's been amazing. She came in very guarded uh, in her leadership style, very much afraid to get to know the people, kind of that, a little bit of that mindset of, well, I don't want to get to know them too well, because if I have to tell them something hard, it's easier if I don't know them or like them. Uh, and I just kind of, she was open-minded enough to listen to the crazy things that I was saying, because it was just, you could just see the look on her face that she was like, this is, doesn't make sense with anything I've ever heard about leadership before. Uh, but she was willing to try it. And we literally had that very first meeting. I asked her to do one thing. Uh, and that was to interact with one of her people that she was struggling with and ask them a couple of personal questions to get to know them. And she did it. And she came back and was like, it's like a whole new relationship. They seemed to, you know, they lit up and they were, you know, engaging and we had all this stuff going on. And I'm like, how cool is this? You know? And so she was like, what else can I do? And so she just started feeding off of that. And four years later, I'm still doing executive coaching, but it's changed so much. She'll call me or text me even now and say, hey, here's a situation that just came up with an employee or with a client or whatever the case may be here's what I did. And here's what I know you're going to tell me I did wrong. <laughs> and so here's how I'm fixing it. Is that okay? And so we've gone from her just kind of not knowing why things were so hard to her now 
assessing the situation and thinking, okay, my thought process has changed and here's what Frank would tell me to do. Not that I have all the answers, but it's helpful just to bounce it off with somebody else and realize it's okay to engage with people and get to know them and figure that stuff out. And so now it's really fun because she's actually known in her company uh, to be, and even the people there have seen this massive transformation in the fact that she's much more relational, she's much more engaging with people, and uh, she's having a much bigger impact uh, in addition to the fact that she's been promoted twice over that four-year period because people are seeing this change in her leadership style. So just one of the many examples that I've got when somebody was willing to do something that seemed crazy uh, in their own mind, but they knew what they were doing wasn't working, uh, it really launched her into a different uh, realm of leadership that's been successful for her, not only financially, career-wise, uh, but really relationship-wise, and the people there have a much greater uh, respect for her now because of those things. That's so great to hear. So I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How did they start their journey with you? Yeah, so uh, LinkedIn is a great place to connect with me. Uh, also, you can catch me on my website, drivinghappinessatwork.com. Uh, email me at frank at drivinghappinessatwork.com. Uh, happy to engage with you and tell you about, I do a three-day leadership training uh, that cut clients, bigger clients hire me to do it internally for them. And we also host that class where people can buy individual seats. And so a lot of different options. We can do coaching now with Zoom. Everybody's gotten very comfortable with that where it didn't used to be something people really wanted to do. So I do coaching and training uh, and always happy to help people along their journey to figure out how do you really have the impact? My personal purpose is elevating life through work. Uh, so anything I can do to help somebody uh, elevate their own life through work or elevate the people in their organization's life through work uh, is where I'm going to spend my time and I'm happy to engage and tell people what I know. Awesome. I love it. So peeps, of course, the links are in the show notes and you can always go to awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Look for Frank driving happiness, happy employees. You will find him there. For sure. yep. Awesome. Frank, I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? You know, that's a interesting. I've heard you ask that question uh, to <laughs> other guests and I was thinking about that and I thought, you know, I was probably 11 or 12 and my dad ran a printing business in Dallas. He hated it. He had taken it over from his dad. Uh, long story there, but he never liked it. He worked in it for 35 years. I have tremendous respect that he worked there until uh, he finally went and did what he wanted to do. Uh, after that, I was always interested in business, though. He didn't want me to be interested in business, but it was always circulating in my head that business is just interesting. Uh, and then, as I mentioned the story earlier, when I was struggling and working in an organization and I'd been in big international companies that I really couldn't connect into, then I went to work for this smaller manufacturing company. The owner passed away. I was thrust into leadership. Uh, as much as I didn't like the view of leadership, really, once I connected with the idea that as a leader, I can impact people's lives for the positive and I can make their life a better place. Uh, it was like, oh, that's what I as a kid, I think I even realized that this could be a really powerful force. And, you know, if, if you can have somebody have a good day at work they go home a better parent, a better spouse, a better person. And that's what I'm all about. And I think I've always realized that there was some way to have an impact in people's lives and business is just the vehicle. So uh, I'm 
think I'm on my fifth business that I've either acquired or started. Uh, and it's been a roller coaster because it is not an easy journey, uh, but I keep signing up for it because of the impact I get to have on the people that I interact with every day, clients and employees. And I just love that. Oh, I love your answer. That was awesome. Thanks. Thank you so much for your time, Frank. I appreciate it. I know how valuable it is. Any last words for our peeps? I'll just circle back around to engaged leaders equal engaged employees. If we can get employee engagement uh, up from the 25% uh, that it roams to, to 60%, we can change the world by doing that. Uh, we do it one business at a time and love to help however I can. Love it. Thank you for being here, Frank. Thanks for having me. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and join our Facebook group, Business Ownership Secrets to Scaling. We love connecting with you. Thank you for listening to our show. I'm all about being a resource center for entrepreneurs to give them the information and the support that they need to make it in business. As such, the notes for this show can be found at our website at awarenessstrategies.com slash blog. Be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, I like five stars personally, and share with your friends.